Shas Illuminated presents the following shir by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Byron. Mesecha Susaita has been dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Noyach Stengel Le'iloi Nishmas, Faivel Yosef ben Chaim Leib and Yehuda Zev ben Faivel Yosef. Saito Daf Yud Gimel. The Gemara Taban Mavid Beis Amid Beis learns from the Pasuk which says, Vatigach Miriam Hanavia Achois Aharoina. The Torah calls her Achois Aharoin. On this, the Gemara asks, Why would she refer to her as Achois Aharoin and not Achois Moshe? On this, the Gemara says, Melamech Hoysa Misnava Kashihi Achois Aharoin. From here we learn that she already had a Nevuah at the time that she was only Achois Aharoin and not yet Achois Moshe. And the Nevuah that she had was, Asida Imisha Taylor Ben Shemoshiah Yisrael. Before Moshe Rabbeinu was born, she already had a Nevuah at the time that she was only Achois Aharoin. The Nevuah was that her mother would give birth to a son who would save Klal Yisrael. And we saw earlier on Dafir Al from Midbez, Igmar brings a similar idea from a different drasha. From that which she was called Pua, there were two Pshatim in the Gemara, either Pua Shahisa Paya Ulavlad, either that she sang to the Vlad or Dovarachar, Pua Shahisa Paya Baruch HaKadosh Vaymeris Asida Imi Shatelet Bain Shemashia Es Yisrael. Then the Gemara here continues and says, Kivan Shenoilan Moshe and Ismail Kalabayas Kula Oiro, Amar Ovia Venoshka Al Rosha, once Moshe Ben was thrown into the Yar, Omer Avi of Etofchal Reisha, Omer La Bita Hechan Nivuasech. At this point, it seems that Amram gave up hope, and he said to her, "What happened to your Nivuah?" Once Moshe was thrown into the Yar, Amram was convinced that the Nivuah would not be Niskaim. Now the Mashal over here is bothered. Once Amram saw already that her Nivuah was Niskaim, when the bias was Nismali Oira. Why was he in Siyash afterwards when Moshe was thrown into the Yar? And he quotes from a Sefer, Sherish Yishai, that had a different girsa in the Gemara. His girsa was not Omar Avi of Reisha, rather Omda Im of Reisha. And the Mashal brings that the truth is this is also the girsa of the Medrash. The Medrash Shabbat is almost identical to our Gemara, but it has a girsa of Omda Ima and not Omar Avia. And the Mashal explains that when she had this nevuah, that Asida Imi Shatelet Ben Shemeshiyah Yisrael, she only told, her, told it to her father Amram, she did not tell over the nevuah to her mother Yecheved. Her point was that her father should take back her mother Yecheved, after he was Megarashar, and by telling over to the father this nevuah, Asida Imi Shatelet Ben Shemeshiyah Yisrael, Amram took back Yecheved. Now we spoke about it in the previous year, even though the Gemara says a different reason, that she told her father, your Gzeris are worse than the Gzeris of Parai, we do find in Rishonim, the Ramban we quoted, and the Rashbam of Basra, they quote that the reason why Amram took her back was because of this Nevuah. And with this, the Mashah explains why she only told the Nevuah to her father in order that he should take back Yecheved. She never told the Nevuah over to her mother. And therefore, the Mashah explains that her father, when he saw that it was Nismal HaBayis Kuli Oira, he said to his daughter, Niskaim HaNivuasech. And even after Moshe was thrown into the Yair, her father still never doubted the Nevuah. Only the mother who never heard the Nevuah in the first place, she was one that was Nisyayish after Moshe was thrown into the Ur. And even though she saw that Bayis was Nismali Oira when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, she didn't know it had any connection to that which she would eventually be the Mashiach Shal Yisrael. This is the explanation of the Mashiach according to the Girsa of the Medrash and the Sefer Shavish Yishai. However, the Mashiach seems to be very difficult to understand Masha is explaining that the mother Yechevet, she was the one that was Tavcha Reisha, and she never knew anything about the Nevuah. However, the Gemara says clearly that when she was Tavcha Reisha, she said, Biti Heichon Nevuah Obviously, she did know about the Nevuah, 
And that's what she was saying. What happened to the Nevoah that you were saying over? If now Moshe Rabbeinu is going to drown in the Ya'ar. Masha is very difficult to understand. However, the Chayr we could suggest, and we could explain this Masha based on the words of Rabbeinus and Eipshitz in the Sefer Yari's Dvash. He discusses our Gemara, which says, on the Pasuk, And the Gemara explains why she referred to as a Chayis Aaron and not a Chayis Moshe, because she had Nevoah at the time that she was only a Chayis Aaron. And he's bothered by still, the Maestro, she was a Chayis Moshe. The fact that her Nevoah started before Moshe was born, why is that a reason that she, she should always be referred to as a Chayis Aaron? And he explains, the Josh of the Gemara means to say that she only had Nevoah while she was a Chayis Aaron. But after Moshe Rabbeinu was born, or more precisely it would seem from the Yaris Dvash, he means to say after Moshe was thrown into the Ya'ar, then she stopped having Nevoah. At that moment it was Nistalka Nevoah Mimeno, and with this he explains the Lashna of the Pasuk, he says the word Meirochaik hints that she was from afar, in other words she no longer had Ruach HaKadosh to know what was going on. And he goes on to say that she only got the Nevoah back eventually at the time of the Shira Sayam when Klaisal crossed to the Yamsuf. He says, for that reason, the Pasuk hints to this, that she was a Chais Aaron at the time of Shira Sayam, where the Pasuk says, He says, at that moment, she did get her Nevoah back through the Simcha, which helps the Ruach HaKadosh be Shaira on a person. And the Pasuk is telling us that she was a Nevoah already previously, before Moshe Rabbeinu was born, when she was only a Chais Aaron, And here, once again, at that moment, she did get her Nevoah back. Now with this, the Yaris Dvash explains, this is what the Medrash means when it says, Om It means to say, what happened to the Nevuah that you had been having? She was a Nevuah beforehand, and now it was Paschal Nevuasa. She stopped having a Nevuah. Her mother asked, what happened? Why did the Nevuah stop? This could be an explanation in the Mashah as well. According to the Mashah, the mother of Yecheved didn't know anything about the Nevuah of Asida Imi Shetelet Ben Shemeshiyah Yisrael. For this reason, it only says, Omda Ima Vatavcha Arisha. The father Amram, who did know about her Nevoah, and shortly after he saw it was Nesmal Habayas Aira, he was not Nisyayish. The mother Yechevet, she never knew about the Nevoah in the first place. And we asked on the Marsha, according to this Girsa Tavcha Ima Arisha, as the Marsha explained, because she didn't know anything about the Nevoah, and we asked according to the Marsha, what does it mean, Tavcha Arisha Vaomra, Hebiti Hechan Nevoah she didn't know about any Nevoah. According to this Yaris Dvash, it means to say, what happened to your Nevoah in general? Up until that time, Miriam was a Nevoah, and even though that specific Nevoah she never told over to her mother, we could assume her mother did know that she had been having Nevoah, and at this moment when it stopped, her mother said to her, what happened to the Nevoah that you had been having? This could be a possible explanation to understand the Marsha. Now I'll mention over here, there's an interesting al HaKadosh, on this Pasuk, and he says the Lashon of the Pasuk seems to be difficult. Why does it say which means what will be done for him? It should have said a Lashon of what will become of him. And he explains that Miriam, she received the Nevoah, she never doubted that this Nevoah would be Niskayim. Even after Moshe was thrown into the Ya'ar, she never was Nisyayish. She had no doubt that somehow he'd be saved and eventually be the Mashiach of Klai Yisrael. And therefore the Pasuk says, Eloshin what will be done for him, meaning how exactly will HaKadosh Baruch Hu save him, which nace will he use? It doesn't say Eloshin of Ma'yi, like what will become of him, 
Because that she didn't doubt. She knew that he would be saved. She just wanted to watch the Nisim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, see exactly how it was done. That's the Lashd of Ma'i Now further on, the Gemara discusses the parasha, the Kfura of Yaakov Avinu. The Gemara relates how when they got to the Ma'ar Samachbeila, Esav was there, he was being Ma'akev of the Kfura. He said the remaining kever belongs to him. To that the Shvatim told him, Amrulei, as a vinta, Yaakov already bought this kever from you. Amrulehu, Esav said, And he desvini bechirusa, pshitusa mizvini. Even though I did sell to Yaakov the Bechaira, but the Pshitusa, the Chelik of the Poshet, in other words, the share as a regular son, not the share of a son who is Bechar, that I still maintain. And therefore I have a right to the final kever. And that the Shvatim told him back in, the Yaakov did actually buy even the Chelik Pshitusa, the Ksiv Bekivri Yashar Karisali. And Rashi over here explains, And he does a vinti even though I did sell my double chilek, the chilek of a bechor, I still deserve a chilek as a poshut, as a regular son. I don't get a double chilek as a bechor, but I should get as a regular son. Now the mashah over here is marich about this Rashi, and he says the mashmois of Rashi is that when Esau sold the bechor to Yaakov, he didn't sell the chilek bechor that now Yaakov should be considered like a bechor and have a double chilek. Rather, what Esav actually sold was his extra share of a bechor, and now they should both get an equal chilek, as if there is no bechor at all. In other words, there are actually two ways we could look at the sale of the bechorah when Esav sold this bechor to Yaakov. It doesn't mean to say that Esav originally was supposed to get two-thirds of the Yerusha, and Yaakov one-third, and Esav sold his double chilek, in other words, one-third he sold to Yaakov. Now Yaakov will get two-thirds and Esav one-third. Or the other side is, he didn't actually sell a third to Yaakov. What he sold was only that he no longer will get an extra chilek of a bechar, and now they'll get equal. Or in other words, that extra third, which should have gone to the bechar, now will be divided equally between Esav and Yaakov. They both get exactly half of the Yerusha. Or in other words, what he sold was actually a sixth of the Yerusha. Half of a third. And Mashal says the Mashmois of Rashi is like the second side that the sale will not give Yaakov the Chelik of Bechaira, that now he'll get two thirds and Esav only one third, and that the sale was that they should end up both getting an equal Chelik. And he explains why did Rashi want to learn like this? Because if Yaakov actually deserved the Chelik of Bechaira, he deserved two thirds and Esav one third, and the two burial plots which were in the Maris Machpela, which were originally owned by Yitzchak, and they went over Yerusha. So Yaakov already took one of them, as the Gemara says, he buried Leah in one of them. The other one is one-third owned by Yaakov, and two-thirds owned by Esav. Since Yaakov is supposed to get two-thirds of the Yerusha, that would give him one complete kever and the third of the second kever, and Esav would have two-thirds of the second kever. And from that which Esav said, that I'm the owner of the second kever, the mashmais of that is, like Rashi says, that when Esau sold the Bechar to Yaakov, the intention was that they should now have an equal chilek. Therefore Esau said to Yaakov, you already took one kever, I deserve the second kever. This is how the Mashah explains Rashi. However, he says, Ein elu The words of Rashi are very mechudish. One would have to have nevu to say such a thing. When the Torah relates about the sale of the Bechairah, the Pasik says simply that he sold his chilek b'chayr to Yaakov, which would be mashma. Now Yaakov would have two-thirds, he would have the chilek b'chayr, and Esav would only have one-third. How can we be mechadish on our own that the sale just was that each one should now have an equal chilek? He goes on to bring a ride from a Gemara in Yesh Neichlin, 
Akaparan Mashon the end says, Lachir Lula Divi Rashi, we could explain the Gemara differently. That really what Esav sold to Yaakov was the Chelik HaBechero. Yaakov was supposed to get two Chalakim in the Yerusha and Esav only one Chelik. And if we'll ask, how could Esav now come and say that the second Kever is totally his? Lachir, it's two thirds his and one third Yaakov's. Mashon explains, you could say, Enechanami, when Esav said, Haide Payish Didihu, he meant to say that it's two thirds mine. And Enechanam, the last third, he was willing to buy off of the Bnei Yaakov. You don't have to be madchik like Rashi says, that the whole sale of the Bukhar in the first place was only that they should have an equal share, which the Mashah understands is not the Pashtus of the Psukim. And then the Mashah finishes off and he says, even after the Bnei Yaakov told Esau that our father did actually buy off the Kever, even the Chelek Pshutusei, it doesn't mean to say, the Mashah explains, that he bought off all of the Yerusha, the Chilek Pashat of Esav in all of the Yerusha, and specifically from this kever, from the Maris Machpelah, Yaakov bought even the Chilek Pshituso, so that Esav will not have any claim in the Maris Machpelah, he didn't want that a Russia should be buried next to the Tzadikim. And furthermore, Yaakov wanted that it should be Neskayim, the Kiryas Arba, that it will be Arba Zugais, Arba Zugais of Ishve Ishtoi, for that reason he wanted to be buried there together with Leah, and Esav should not be buried there. Akapam, we have a fundamental machaikis between Rashi and the Marshal. What exactly was the intention of the Mechira, of the Mechira, from Esav to Yaakov? According to Rashi, the intention was that they should each have an equal chilek. According to the Marshal, Yaakov will get a double chilek, the chilek Bechir that belonged to Esav. Now Yaakov will get two-thirds of the Yerusha, and Esav should only get one-third. Now in the Sefer Torah Sakanois, he defends Rashi. He says, it's not Mestabra the way the Marshal explains that Esav was willing to buy off a third of the kever, the third which was still owned by the Bnei Yaakov, he says, we know the halacha is, if there are two shudfim and they want to divide something which is ein kadei chaluka, something which cannot be divided in half and still be useful, the din is that we say goid ayogoid, meaning one of the shudfim, the one who wants to divide, he has to set a price, and offer that the other shudif should buy out his chalik for that price, and if the shudif is not willing to buy it for that price, then the one who made the offer, he has to be willing to pay that price to buy out the other chalik. Now since a kever is obviously a Ein Bokadei Chaluka, the Gemara would not have quoted Esav that he said, didihu. Rather, Esav would have set a price, and obviously he would have set a high price, he knew that Bnei Yaakov needed a kever to bury their father, he would have done Goyd and Ogoid, and set a high price, since the Gemara does not say that, therefore the passage is like Rashi, that Esav was claiming the whole kever. And he goes on and he says, even though Lechera, like the Masha said, the passage of the Pasuk is, that Esav sold to Yaakov the Chelik Bechira, now Yaakov has a schos and two chalakim in the Yerusha. Esav only one Chelik, so he explains the Gemara like this. That the truth is, like the Psukim say, Esav sold to Yaakov the Chelik Bechira, and now Yaakov has two chalakim in the Yerusha, and Esav only one Chelik. Esav came with the Taina, and he claimed that the intention of the sale was not like that, rather the intention of the, of the sale was that they should both have an equal Chelik, this was the time of Esau, but it was actually a Ramos, and the truth was that Yaakov really bought the Chelik Bechira, Yaakov gets two Chalakim in the Yerusha, and Esau only one Chelik. So this is how he resolves the question. He says, on one hand, Rashi is right, that Esau was claiming that they both have an equal Chelik. On the other hand, the Mashah is also right, that the Mechir actually was like the Mashmois of the Psukim, that Yaakov bought the Chelik Bechira, now Yaakov has two Chalakim, and just Esau came with a Taina, and he claimed that he has an equal Chelik, because the original sale was with the intention that they both should have an equal share. Now in the Sefer Mincha Chareva on Masech Saita, he quotes the Rashi in Ersugya, 
And he says, like the Mashos Medayik in Rashi, Rashi understands the Mechira of the Bechira is not that Yaakov now has a double Chilek, rather they both have an equal Chilek. And he says, with this we can answer a Kasha, Shekfar Hiksha Kamoi de Kamoi. A Kasha that goes way, way back. And that is a Kasha that the Rivash already asks, and other Rishonim as well, how was it that Yaakov was able to buy the Bechira from Esau? The Bechira is something which is Loi Bala Eilam, and a Kenyan does not help on something which is Loi Bala Eilam. Just like a person cannot sell something which he does not own yet, something which he plans on buying eventually, or plans on inheriting, if it's not his yet, he cannot sell it, so too, Bechira, which is something that a person does not yet have, Esav expects to get Birusha from his father Yitzchak, the Chelik Bechira, he didn't have it yet, how is that something which he could sell? This is a kasha which many Rishonim ask, the Tur al discusses this kasha, the Rivosh in Simen Shin Chav Ches asks this kasha, the Rivosh suggests that maybe Koydematan Torah, there was such a concept of making a kinyan on Dovish The Torah says in Mahalach, B'Shem Aviv Harosh, that even though a kinyan does not work on a Dovish but if you also make a Shvua, then the kinyan is Chal. For that reason, Yaakov told Esav, he shovali, he didn't want to make a kinyan simply, he wanted to be a Shvua as well, so that it should not be a problem of a kinyan on a Dovish And the Ktais in Simen Reish Ein Ches, Sifkot and Yurgimul, he discusses this kasha. The test that the Ktais wants to give is that the truth is this was not a kinyan, this was not something which Esav gave over to Yaakov, rather Esav was only misalik himself from the chelik b'chayra. In other words, if a person says before his father died that I'm being misalik myself, I'm forfeiting my right to get the chelik b'chayra, the Ktais wants to prove over there that it works, he cannot change his mind, he no longer has a schus to get the chelik b'chayra. Ktais says, even though by the Chelik HaPoshot, a son who's not a Bechar, he has a schus to get a Yerusha, if he'll say such a thing, that I'm being Meichel, my Chelik, I'm being Misalik myself from getting a Chelik in the Yerusha, over there it won't work, if afterwards he changes his mind and he does want a Chelik, he does have a right still, however the Ktais is Mechalik, he says the Chelik HaBechar is different, and if he's Misalik himself, Bechayi Oviv, it is Chal, he loses the right to get the Chelik Bechayra. And with this, the Ktais wants to answer the Kasha of the Rishonim. How could Esav sell the Bechari to Yaakov? It's a Davish The Ktais is Machadish that what happened really was that there was a Siluk. As soon as Esav said, Lamazali Bechari, he was Moichal, his rights in the Bechari, he was Mesalik himself, and therefore he no longer would have a right later to get the Chilik Bechari. The problem that a number of Achorinim ask on this Ktais is, Enechanami Esav was Mesalik himself, he gave up the rights to the Bechari, but how is Yaakov Koine it? It's still Davar Shalai Bala and one cannot make a kinnan on Davar Shalai Bala How did Yaakov receive that Chilik Bechira after Esau was Misalik himself from it? And in the Sefer Mincha Chareva, he explains, according to Rashi and Ersugyo, it's very good, this Kasha is not difficult Bechlal, because in Chanam, Yaakov was never kind of anything. It's not that Esau gave up his Chilik Bechira, and Yaakov was kind of it, and Yaakov should now have two thirds, and Esau only one third. Rather, Esau gave up his Chilik Bechira, he made himself like a Poshut, now Yaakov and Esau have an equal chilek. This could work through Siluk. No one has to make a Maisa Kinyin. Enechanam Yekinyin would not help on a Dovah Shloi Be'lo'ilom. Once Esau was Misalik himself, now Yaakov and Esau had an equal chilek in the Yerusha. It's no longer a problem of Dovah Shloi Be'lo'ilom. Ragopan the Mincha Chareva understood Rashi Kipshutai, now like the Mashah, and now like the Pshat of the Torah Sakanois, who wanted to suggest that even Rashi doesn't mean that this is actually how the sale was. This is just what Esau was claiming, Beramos, Rather, he learns that this is Mamish what happened through the sale. They ended up with an equal share, 
And with this he explains why it's not a problem of a kinyan on a dove, Now I'll mention an interesting point from the Kenoira on the Sugyo. He explains that when Esav came and was claiming the kever next to Leah, we know as Rashi al says, and he quotes a Zoya which discusses this as well, that Leah really was destined to marry Esav. Rachel, the younger sister, was supposed to marry Yaakov, and Leah, the older sister, was intended for Esav, the older brother. And the Zayr says, Through her tears and her tfilois, she was able to change her goyrol, her destiny, and ended up marrying Yaakov and not Esav. And with this, the Karanayr explains that when Esav came, he wanted to be buried next to Leah. Esav's intention was, even though I was not Zaycha to Leah Bechayeho, I was not Zaycha to be married to her while she was alive, at least I want to be able to be buried next to her. And with this, the Karanayr explains, that's why it says, When Chushim Ben Don hit Esav on the head, his eyes were dislodged, and the Karanayr explains, the Pshad is, since it was Nosan Enov, Bedover She'ene Shaloi, Therefore, Mido connected Mido, his punishment was that he lost his eyes. Now, I'll mention another point on this Maisa with Esau and Chushim Ben Don. Rabchaim Shemlevitz in the Sichus Musar, Maimer Lamed Beis, Shnas Tovshin Lamed Aleph, he points out how was it that none of the Shvatim, no one else who was present over there, got up and said that which Chushim Ben Don said, why was it only Chushim Ben Don came to this realization and no one else who was present at the time? And Chaim Shlomovitz explains this has to do with the Kaya Chahergal. When a person gets used to an idea, he no longer realizes how extreme it really is. And therefore, at first, when the Shvatim began speaking with Esau, they expected that the situation would be resolved quickly and when things got dragged out, but then they already were used to this idea how Yaakov would have to wait before he's buried until they get rid of Esav. Masha'inkin Chushim Ben Don, when he first came, and he was struck with the absurdity that his grandfather was mutal b'bezoyin, just because Esav was being ma'akev things, he realized the severity of the situation, and he took things into his own hands. And Chaim Shulevitz is ma'ach about this, how sometimes a person can get used to a situation, and he doesn't realize the truth. Only an outsider who hasn't been involved in the situation, he sees the truth, he sees the situation the way it really is. And the truth is, this Yisrael is already brought by the Maral. The Maral in the Chedush HaGodos over here explains similarly. He says, The Kayach HaSayurus is only when a person is struck with a situation which is very mechudish to him. That causes a person to be aroused and act with fervor. However, once a person gets used to a situation, then it's very hard for him to be Nisayur. And here as well, the Shvatim and the other ones present were not Nisayur because they were already used to this Matziv of Yaakov being Mutl Bebizayin only Chushim Ben Don, when he realized what was going on, to him it was a massive which was very mechudish, and that caused the Nisayurus, which he acted upon. Now, the Taisis chants over here in the side of our Gemara, he asks a kasha, this kasha is also asked by Taisis in Gitin Dafnun Heyom and Beis, and that is that in Ersugit's Mavur, that Chushim Ben Don was the one to kill Esav. And they quote Yushami in Ksubis, Perak Aleph Alochahei, Yushami says that there was a Messiah, a tradition, by the Umay Sa'ilam, the Goyim, that Yehuda was the one to kill Esav. And therefore the Goyim made Gzeris against Yehuda specifically because of the fact that he was the one to kill Esav. Yishami quotes the Apostle, This is referring to Yehuda, he killed Esav from the Eirif, from the back of the neck. 
And Tosis asks that these two Gemaras seem to be a stira. Our Gemaras mavur that Chushim ben Don was the one to kill Esav, and the Yishamis mavur that it was Yehuda. The Tosis Shans Bayas says that maybe it was both of them together. Tosis and Gitin says a little bit different that maybe Chushim ben Don first hit Esav, but he didn't die yet. Afterwards, Yehuda came along and finished. He was the one to kill Esav in the end. And we could add, based on the Maral, and the way Rebchaim Shalovitz explains in our Sugya, the reason why Chushim ben Don was the first one to be Nisair, by the fact that Yaakov was Mutal Bebezoyin, and they explained because someone who's an outsider didn't realize the situation, and then is struck suddenly by the absurdity, he's the one to be Nisair and act on it. So from here we see that even though sometimes an outsider is necessary to first take action, but once he's Nisair, then that could also bring others those who already had the Hisraglis, as Rebbe Chaim Shalavitz explains, the Hisairus of the outsider, that could be Ma'ir everyone else to act as well, as we see over here, Yehuda Lamaisa was the one who finished the job and killed Esav in the end. Now, I'll just mention one more point. Even though Agamar's Mavur, Nechushim ben Don, hit Esav on the head and his eyes were detached, there is a Pirkei der Blazer who says over a little bit differently, this is well known. It's in the end of Paraglam Mates, over there it says, ben Don he decapitated Esav. Esav's head was to be buried in the Maris Machpelah, and different explanations are given out Why was it that his head was to be buried in the Maris Machpelah, but his goof was not? Now the Gemara here concludes and says, the Kfur was the same day that was considered a Kiyom of the Nevuah of Rivka. Now the Chara, one might think that this is a bit of a stretch. The Maeser and Nevuah was that they would die on the same day and they didn't. They died on different days, they were only buried the same day. However, if we take a look in the Rashi and Pashas told us, on that Pasek Loma Eshkol Gam Shnechem Yaymechod, Perech of Zayim Pasek Memhei, the Lashon of Rashi is Loma Eshkol, HaKoyver Esbanov Korei Shokul. Rashi explains, the Lashon of Shokol is someone who buries their sons. The Chari Rashi explained like this, based on our Gemara, the Maisa, the Gemara says that she was Nisnava, that they would die the same day, and the Gemara says it doesn't mamish mean dying the same day, it means that they were buried the same day. Rashi says the word Shokol actually means someone who buries a son. Not someone whose son died, rather someone whose son was buried. This would fit very well. Her Nevoah was actually Niskayim precisely. Now we'll continue on. The Gemara brings Tanura Bonon, Baur E Kamachavivois Mitzvois, Almoisha Abenu, Shekoiso Kulon Nisasku Bebizov, Hunisasik Bemitzvois, Shenemar, Chacham Le Vikach Mitzvois. Now there's a Kasha that a number of Achainim ask over here, and that is Lechera, that which Kaiso were Isik Bebizov, that was also a Mitzvah. And Kaleshbarku told Mesha, Dabar no Boznea Om, the Yishalu Ishme Eser Eu, the Isham Eser Uso, Klei Kesafu, Klei Zohov. Rashi of there explains, Dabrno ain't no el loshen bakosho, be bakosho mimcho his hirim alkach, shaloyomer uisi tzadik avrom, vavodom veinu oisom kiyom behem, vachor ken yitzur bechush godol loy kiyom behem. Kashbachu told Misha that Klaisol should borrow Klaikesef and Klaizov, nor that Avram Avinu, who was told that Klaisol would leave Mitzrayim bechush godol, he wouldn't have any taino, that Kashbachu was Mekayim the Shibit of Mitzrayim, but he was not Mekayim. If so, that which Klai saw were being Isaac and the Klai Kasef and the Klai Zov, that was also a mitzvah. How could the Gemara say about Moshe that Kulam Nisasku Bebizov, Vuhu Nisasik Bemitzvah? 
And the Chedusha agrees, there's a terrorist brought down from the Biskarov, who explains that that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe, that was not a Tzivoy. He explains, this is what Rashi is stressing, this was not intended to be a Tzivoy, a command, rather it was a Bakosha, a request that HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked from Klai Yisrael, for the purpose that Avram Avinu should not have a Taino, and it was not begeder a mitzvah. And therefore the Gemara is contrasting that which Moshe Rabbeinu was being Isaac b'mitzvah to that which Klai was being Isaac b'bizah, that was not considered a mitzvah. With this, the Biskorov explains the notion of the Pasuk, Ubenei Yisrael also kidvar Moshe. Why does it say that Klai did like that which Moshe told him? It should have said, Ubenei Yisrael also kidvar Hashem. And he explains because it wasn't really kidvar Hashem, it wasn't a tivir from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rather, it was a favor that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe to ask Klai Yisrael. Another test brought down to this kasha is in the Eight Yosef, his pirush on Yen Yaakov. He explains the mitzvah given over to Klai Yisrael was that they should borrow enough to be considered going out Berchush Gadol. However, Klai Yisrael went far beyond this, as we find the Lashon of the Pasuk, Hashem Nosan Eschein Ha'om Be'ini Mitzrayim Ve'yashilum. The mitzvah did lend their Klai Kesef and Klai Zov, and the Pasuk continues, Ve'yinatzlu Etz Mitzrayim, as Rashi translates, Virakinu, they emptied out Mitzrayim. They totally emptied out Mitzrayim from all their wealth. This was beyond the mitzvah that they were told to do, and that's what the Gemara compares. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was Mekayim, the mitzvah of taking out Atzmi Yosef, to Klai Yisrael, who were busy accumulating wealth. Now the Gemara continues, Yosef Kavur. How did Moshe Rabbeinu know where Yosef was buried? Now here also, this would seem to be difficult. What is the Gemara's question? Moshe was Avlin Avim. Pasuk says, Pe'al, Pe'al, Daber boy. Moshe's level of Nevuah was greater than anyone else. Why is it difficult for the Gemara to understand how Moshe Rabbeinu knew where to find Yosef's Aaron? And in the Sefer Ian Yaakov, on Ein Yaakov, he explains that Akarchach, Moshe did not know through Nevuah where Yosef's Aaron was, because if so, how could the Gemara compare Moshe Rabbeinu to the rest of Klai Yisrael? Obviously, Moshe was going to be the one to find the Aaron of Yosef, because he was the only one to know where it was. From here the Gemara understood that anyone could have found it. It was an Indian of being Omel, of working hard and trying to locate it. Moshe was the one who persisted, but anyone from the rest of Klai Yisrael could have done the same thing. Now the Gemara says, How did Moshe know the Maisa where to find it? Serach Bas Asher, she was Nishtaira Mi'oisi Hadar. She remained from that Dar, the Dar of the Shvatim. She was the one who told Moshe Rabbein where to find the Aaron of Yosef. Now Toysav here asks Akasha, he says, Two of the sons of Menashe, Mocher and Yoyer, they were born while Yaakov was still alive, as the Pasuk says in Parshas Vayichi. And we know also they were Mibayi Haaretz, they came into Eretz Yisrael. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu not ask them, where is the Aaron of Yosef? And Taisus adds further, they were descendants of Yosef. They should have been asked before Serach Bas Asher. And this Taisus answers that the Soyd HaGeula was Nimsar to Serach. Taisus calls the Perkot of Lazar, that when Moshe Rabbeinu came, at first when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him, he came to Klai Yisrael and told them that he was going to take them out of Mitzrayim, so the Zikne Yisrael, they were hesitant. Taisus quotes that we know already that the Bnei Ephraim left early 30 years before the Kates, and they were punished. They were afraid that Moshe also was a false Goyal. And they came and they asked Sarah Bas Asher, and she told them that it depends what Lashon Moshe Rabbeinu is using. The Mashiach Yisrael has to use Lashon of Pokai Pekadati. That was actually the Lashon that Moshe used, and that's how they knew that Moshe Ben was the real Goyal. Taisa seems to be saying that since Serach Bas Osher was the one who had the Sayyid HaGa'ula, therefore Moshe Ben asked her as well, where is the Aaron of Yosef? 
Now, Lachar, it would seem difficult to understand why are these two things connected. Any she knew the site of the Geula, but what does that have anything to do with where the urn of Yosef is located? However, if we look in the Psukim, in the end of Parshas Vayichi, that's where Yosef tells his brothers, Anoichi Meis, Ve'alikim Pokad Yifchid Eschem, Ve'hele Eschem in Eretz Hazois, Ela Eretz Hashan Nishba, Lavram Litzchak, Uli Yaakov, Ve'yashba Yosef es Bnei Yisrael, Le'ymar Pokad Yifchid Elikim Eschem, Ve'alisem es Atzmoisayim Mizeh. Yosef put these two things together, he passed along the Seid HaGeula, the Lashon of Pokad Yifchid, which in the Perkei of the Blazer it says, that Yaakov passed it along to Yosef, this was something that already originated by Avram Avinu. Avram passed it to Yitzchak, then to Yaakov, and Yaakov passed it specifically to Yosef. Before Yosef died, he gave over the Seyed Gula to all of the Shvatim. This is what the Perkei Rebbe says. And Asher, he was the one who gave it over to his daughter Serach. She was the one who eventually told it over to the Zikna Yisrael when Moshe Rabbeinu came. In these Pesukim we see that Yosef Bedafka gave over this Seyed of Pokal Yifkei to the rest of his brothers at the same time, he made them swear that they'll take his urn out of Mitzrayim. And it would seem that Yosef knew that this soy would have to be passed along, this Lashon of Pokad Yifkaid. And to ensure that he will actually be taken out of Mitzrayim when they leave, he attached this Shrua to the Soyed HaGeula, to the Lashon of Pokad Yifkaid. And his intention was that when they pass along the Lashon of Pokad Yifkaid, along with it they'll pass the Shrua, and with the Shrua will also be included the location of where to find the urn of Yosef when they're ready to leave, and this way, eventually, when Klaisal has to find someone who knows the Lashen, the Sayyidah Geula, that person will also pass along, remind them of the Shua, and tell them where to find the urn of Yosef. This Lachar is what Taisus means to say in his Teretz, that Moshe Rabbeinu went to Serach Bas Asher, and not to Mocher and Yoyer, even though they were descendants of Yosef. Taisus says because the Sayyidah Geula was known by Serach Bas Asher, this Lachar is what Taisus means to say, the Sayyidah Geula came along with it, the Messiah about taking Yosef's bones out of Mitzrayim, and where to find the bones when they're ready to leave. Now the Taisus chants on the side, he also is bothered by the same kasha, why did Moshe Rabbeinu not go to Mocher and Yair? And he quotes a Medrash, which the is different than Agamara. The Medrash says that for three days Moshe Rabbeinu was yoga, he toiled to find the urn of Yosef. At Bas Asher, until he met Serach Bas Asher by chance, and she asked him, what are you looking for? He told her, I read Yosef, and that she answered, like Agamara says, Aron Shomatechas Osulay Mitzrayim Vikavu Benilus. Now the Taisis Rosh, he asks the same Kasha that Taisis and the Taisis Shant ask. He gives the same tarots as the Taisis Shant based on the Medrash. It's not that Moshe Rabbeinu went to Serach. Had he gone to anyone, he would have gone to Yorbe Menasha or Mocher Menasha. Rather, he met Serach and she asked him what you're looking for. However, in the Taisis Rosh, he then brings that in this same Medrash, the Medrash explains why was it that the Mishnah put the Aron Shoyosef into the Nilus. This again is different than Ergamara. Ergamara explains the reason why the Mishnah put the Oren into the Nilos is Kadesh is Baruchu Meimov. There should be Bracha in the Nilos. As we know, the Mishnah lived off the overflow of the Nilos. And the morale of here explains that since Yosef was the Mashbir, the Mishnah knew that Yosef had a Kayach to sustain them, and therefore they wanted that his Oren should be in the Nilos so that there'll be a Bracha in the Nilos. But the Medrash that the Taisus Rosh is quoting has a different shot. They didn't want that Klaisal should leave Mitzrayim, and they knew that Klaisal would not leave without the orange Shal Yosef. Therefore, they hid it in the Nilos, so that Klaisal would not be able to get it, and they will not be able to leave Mitzrayim. This Mahalach is similar to that which we see Behemshech Ergemara. Rabbi Nelson has a different shot. He says, The Aron of Yosef was not in the bottom of the Nilos. 
Rather, it was in the structure where the Malachim were buried, as Rashi says. Perhaps this is referring to the pyramids of Egypt. And the Chayyim to Rav Nosson, the reason why the Aron of Yosef was there is similar to the Medrash, which the Taisa Rosh is quoting, that it was hidden there in order that Klaisal should not be able to find it, and this day they would not leave. As opposed to the first part of our Gemara, as we see clearly the reason why they put it in the Nilus, that's in order that the Nilus should be Nisbarich, according to Rav Nosson, it would be for a different purpose. Now the morale over here explains the Yisaita Machlekes between the first Prat of Ergamara that it was at the bottom of the Nilos and the Prat of Ibnosin that it was in the Karbarnit Shalmelachim. He says Ibnosin didn't want to say that the Arn of Yosef was in the bottom of the Nilos. He says that's not considered a Kfuro. And therefore it's not Mestabrit to say such a Gnai about Yosef Atadik that all of these years his guf was without a Kfuro. The morale then explains why is it that Ibnosin did not want to say like the first Prat because if Nosson held it would be of even a bigger gnai to say that Yosef's body was buried together with Rishayim, the Malachim of Mitzrayim, and therefore he would rather say that it was buried in the bottom of the Nilos, even though that's not considered a Kfura. Now I'll continue on, the Gemara Nomad Beis says, Rashi explains, the Gemara's Kasha is, how was it that Klai Yisrael let Moshe Rabbeinu alone being Isaac in the Atomis of Yosef, we find that they were Machshav Yosef later on, after Moshe Rabbeinu was Nifter. The rest of Klaisal were Isaac and Atzam Yosef Yosef. Why was it that they left Moshe to do it himself? As Mashovir asks, L'cher, this is a stereo to that which we saw in Amad Aleph. The reason why Moshe was Isaac in the urn of Yosef is because Klaisal were busy with the Biza of Mitzrayim. So Mashov explains, the Gemara here means to ask, even though Enech Nami B'Shas Yutiyas Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who was Isaac because they were busy with the Kesev Vizov, but throughout the 40 years in the Midbar, until Moshe Rabbeinu was Nifter, we find that Moshe was the one who was Isaac in it. On this, the Gemara asks, why did they leave Moshe to do it and they didn't do it themselves? On this, the Gemara answers, they said, They allowed Moshe to be Isaac in it. This would be a greater COVID for Yosef. Moshe was the Godel, and Adam Choshev, that would be a greater COVID than Ketanim, simple people. Now further on, the Gemara asks Akasha from a different Pasuk, which says, the Gemara says, This is a stereo to the Pasuk which says, On this, the Gemara answers, This answers, If one person starts a mitzvah and someone else finishes the job, we attribute the whole job to the one who finished it off. Here as well, even though Moshe Rabbeinu started the mitzvah, but since he didn't finish, the rest of Klai Yisrael did, so we attribute it to Klai Yisrael and not to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now there's an interesting tshuva from the tshuva's Shev Yaakov in Chayshe Mishpat Simen Yud Gimel. This is quoted in the Pischei tshuva in Chayshe Mishpat Simen Kuf Pei Hei Oiz Gimel. He quotes a Gemara and he brings a raya to a question about Shadchanus. He's discussing over there what is the din where there was one Shadchan who suggested a Shidduch, however he did not pursue it, it didn't follow through, then someone else came along and pushed it through until the Shidduch was completed, the question is, who deserves the Shadchanis? And he says over there, it depends what exactly happened, what was the case. He says, if the one who suggested it did not follow through, and someone else on their own, they were also desired to make the Shidduch, they thought of it on their own without hearing the suggestion of the first Shadchan, so since the first Shadchan was not able to follow through, the two sides were not willing to act upon his suggestion, and the second Shadchan, he did everything on his own, he also thought of it, and he pushed it through, the other thing would be that the second Shadchan would get the entire Shadchanus. If, however, the second Shadchan did not think of it on his own, it was only through the suggestion of the first Shadchan that the second one acted, 
So even though the first Shachan was not able to push it through, only the second one was able to, since Lamaisa he did not think of it on his own, everything started through the suggestion of the first Shachan, the first Shachan does have a right to get a Chelek. Lamaisa says over there that he gets a Chelek a third of the Shachanis, and the second Shachan who pushed it through gets two thirds. And he brings the Raya from Er Sugyo to this Chelek. And that is an Ergomar we see, that since Moshe Rabbeinu did not finish the job, the rest of Klai Yisrael brought the Oren of Yosef into Eretz Yisrael, and therefore we attribute it to the rest of Klai Yisrael. On the other hand, he says, there's a kash that Achreinim ask from a medrash in the Yalkut in Tehillim. On the Pasuk which says, Mizma Shir Chanukah Sabayis L'David, the medrash asks, why are we saying Chanukah Sabayis L'David? V'chi David benoi haloi shleima benoi. On this the medrash answers that a Kodesh Baruch Hu said, since the base of Midrash came about because of Machshava, the initiative of David Melech, therefore it's attributed to him. And the Chayim asked, Lachar, these two things are a stira. David did not finish the base of Midrash, even though it was his idea, and he began. However, Lamaisi he didn't carry it out. Why are we attributing it to David? And yet the Atzmei Yosef, we don't attribute it to Moshe Rabbeinu, rather to Klai Yisrael. And the Shev Yaakov explains, the difference is, that Atzmei Yosef, even had Moshe Rabbeinu not began to be Isaac with that Atzmei the rest of Klai Yisrael would have. As we've seen, as Sigur, the Gemara says over here, the only reason they let Moshe Rabbeinu be Isaac was because in Nichulay B'Kavid B'Gdailim, had Moshe Rabbeinu not been Isaac, then the Ketanim, the rest of Klai Yisrael, would have done it. For that reason, Moshe Rabbeinu was not given any credit, because even without Moshe Rabbeinu, Klai Yisrael would have done the whole job from start to finish. Asha'enke, my Dovid HaMelech, over there, had Dovid HaMelech not initiated the base of Migdash, no one else would have come along and done it. It was only through the Machshava of Dovid HaMelech that everything came about. And therefore, some of the schos does go to David HaMelech. This is how the Shev Yaakov reaches his conclusion, as far as the Shatchanus, that even if the first Shatchan was the first one to make the suggestion, but if he stopped, he didn't push forward, and another Shatchan was able to do everything from start to finish on his own, he thought of the idea on his own, and he carried it out, then the first Shatchan does not deserve to get any chilek. However, the we could point out, in our case, by the Aaron of Yosef, even though the Gemara does say that the rest of Klaesa would have been willing to do the whole job, the only reason they let Moshe Rabbeinu do it is However, we saw from the Marsha that this Gemara in Ahmed Beis, which says which would be mashed that the rest of Klai so were willing to be Isaac in the urn of Yosef, the Marsha explains that's only after Moshe Rabbeinu already went and found it, he got it out of the Nilus. At the time that Moshe Rabbeinu found it, then Klai so were busy with other things, they were busy with Bizas Mitzrayim, and if so, Lachar, the Kasha would remain, even though Klai so were willing to take it out of Mitzrayim, but the first step that should still be attributed to Moshe Rabbeinu. At that point, no one else was willing to do the first step. This is the will be hara on the on the tshuva of the Shev Yaakov. Now the Gemara further on brings a memra Amar Yehuda Marav Avitei Marav Yichomer Bereb Chanina Mipnei Ma Meis Yosef Kaidum LeEchov Mipnei Shehinig Atzmai Berabonus. The same Gemara appears in Brachas Tafnon Hey Amar Aleph, and Rashi over there explains. The Gemara is being medayik from the Lashon of the Pasuk, Vayomus Yosef v'chol echov v'chol hadarahu. The Mashmais of that Pasuk is that Yosef died before the rest of his brothers. And this Gemara explains this was an einish for acting barabonus, acting superior, being misgoya over other people. Now the Gemara doesn't say, doesn't say mefurish, what exactly are we referring to? Where do we see that Yosef was acting barabonus? L'chad, this was him to mean when he was a melech, he acted that way. And the Mashon, the Chidusha, Goddess, and Brachis, Seems to have been bothered by this. He says that we don't really find in the Psukim that Yosef acted with Rabbonus. He says, was this Pasuk. Why else would it have been that Yosef died before the rest of his brothers? 
But it would seem from the Marshal that there's no real Makar from the Psukim that Yosef acted by Rabbonus. Now the truth is that the Medrash Rabbah in the beginning of Shemois, on the Pasuk, Perak Aleph, Pasuk Hey, he called Nefesh Yitzhak Yerach Yaakov Shivim Nefesh, Yosef Hoyeb Mitzrayim. The Medrash explains on these words, Yosef Hoyeb Mitzrayim, Afal Pisha Zochah Yosef the Malchus, Loin Nizgoya Al Echov, Val Beis Oviv. Kishem Shah Yakotan Beinov Mitrilo, Shahoya Evid Bim Mitzrayim, Kacha Yakotan Beinov Achah Shahoya Melech. Yosef Hoyeb Mitzrayim has a Mashmois. That Yosef was in Mitzrayim, he was now the same way he always was. When he originally came to Mitzrayim, he was in Eved. And Yosef acted the same way when the brothers came down, he was not Niskoya al Echov. This would seem to be a stereo to Arsugya. However, there is a Targum Yonason ben Uziel in Parshas Vayigash who does describe certain Rabbanus that Yosef did, and the Targum says for that reason he was punished. The Targum Yonason ben Uziel is on the Posuk when Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, Pergmen Vov Posuk Chavtes. It says, Vayeser Yosef Merkavtoi, Vayal Lekras Yisrael Oviv Goishna, Vayir Elov, Vayipal Atzavorov, Vayifk Atzavorov Oid. And the Targum says, Vatekeis Yosef Artikei, he prepared the chariot, Vesalik Likdomos Yisrael Avula Goishen, he traveled down towards Goishen to meet his father, Vikadom Dishta Megdoa Ovoi, before he became known to his father Yaakov. In other words, Yaakov at that point didn't realize it was Yosef. He thought it was the Melech of Mitzrayim. Yaakov bowed down to Yosef. And Yosef became Mechuyiv at that moment to be punished and have his ears cut off. The Targum is saying clearly the reason why Yosef was punished and he died early is because he allowed his father to bow down to him. And on the end of the Pasuk, the Targum says on the words, He says, Yosef cried further. He was very much in its star. He felt very bad for that which his father bowed down to him. This could be a clear explanation in Arsuge as well. The Gemara says that Yosef died early because he was Neig Rabbonus. According to the Targum Yenis and Benazir, this is the Rabbonus which we're referring to. He allowed his father to bow down to him. With this we could explain it's not a steer to the Medrash we saw before. Enechanami, the way he was Neig with his brothers, was not Rabbonus. He was Neig Banovo, as the Medrash says. But at this point, when his father came towards him, it would seem that this was not Yosef's intention. He was very much mitzdar that this happened. As the Targum explains, that's why he says, He continued to cry. But Akapam, this is what happened. Yaakov the Maisa did bow down to Yosef. And this is the Rabbanus which Arasig is referring to. The Targum Yenison and Arasig both say clearly that the Einish was that he died early. The two coincide very well. Now in the Pirish Yenison, in the Chumash Mekrois Kedadis, there's a Pirish which appears on the bottom of the Targum Yenison Ben Uziel. There he explains, That which Yosef lost some of his years at this point, he brings because the Pasuk says, as far as And since Yosef was being over at this point, he allowed his father to bow down to him, he lost some of his years. However, the way we're explaining now, that this Targum Yenison fits very well with Argumara, then the Chayr the Pshat would be different. It wasn't because of Kibra Ve'im, and it was because he was Noig Rabbanus, like Agamar says. Now continue on, the Gemara brings the Pasuk, Moshe had wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael, and he david continuously to be allowed to go into Eretz Yisrael, until Kodesh Baruch Hu told him, Rav Lecha, Al Toysif Daber Eli Oid B'dover Hazeh. On this, the Gemara says, Amar Ablevi, Berav Biser, Berav Bisruhu. Berav Biser, Rav Lechem. 
Moshe Rabbeinu used these words Ravlachem when he spoke to Kairach Vadosai when he came when they came to make a machikus with Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore Kadosh Baruch Hu answered him back when he wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael with the same words Ravlacha. This Gemara would seem that it was Mida Kenegin Mida that Moshe Rabbeinu had done something wrong when he said the words Ravlachem, and for that he was punished. The Shaila is what was wrong with that which Moshe Rabbeinu told Kairach Ravlachem Bnei Levi. Now in the Sefer Imre Shefer from Eretz Kluger. On that Pasuk in Pasha's Kairach, he explains Pshat in this Gemara, and that is that what Kairach was asking for was Kahuna, he wanted to be able to do the Avedah in the Mishkan. This is a level of Ruchnius which he wanted to attain, and even though it was not appropriate for him, HaKadosh Baruch had given the Kahuna over to the Bnei Arun, so Moshe Rabbeinu should have told him that this is not something which was destined for you. Hashem gave it over Dafka to Bnei Arun and not to, not to you. However, the choice of words that Moshe Rabbeinu used was inappropriate. Moshe Rabbeinu said, that what you have is enough. And the Imre explains that someone who seeks Ruchnius, there is no such concept as having enough. No matter how much a person has, it's always proper to try to get more and more, never to be happy with the Madriga of Ruchnius that one has. And therefore, when Karach was asking for the Kahuna, even though it was inappropriate his request, and perhaps he was asking it for the wrong reasons, but the terminology that Moshe Rabbeinu used to answer him was inappropriate. Moshe Rabbeinu should not have said that you should be happy with the Madrig of Ruchnius that you have. He should have answered him that this is not something which Hashem intended for you. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu was punished Midah Kenegin Midah. When Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael, the Gemara tells us, Did he want to taste the fruits of Eretz Yisrael? Was it that the reason why he wanted to go in? El Mitzvahs He wanted to be able to be Mekayim Mitzvahs which he was not able to be Mekayim outside of Eretz Yisrael. What Moshe Rabbeinu was seeking was higher Madrigus and Ruchnius, and the Kaddish Baruch Hu answered him with the same Lashon that he had told Kairach, Lashon of Ravlacha, even though there were other reasons why Kaddish Baruch Hu did not allow Moshe Rabbeinu to go into Eretz Yisrael because of the Chet HaMariva, but the Kaddish Baruch Hu chose Dafka these words as if a Kaddish Baruch Hu was telling him it's enough the mitzvahs that you have already as Midah Kenegah Midah because Moshe Rabbeinu told Kairach that Lashon that your level of Ruchnius is already high enough Therefore, Kosh Baruch Hu used that lotion in return to Moshe Rabbeinu. You have been listening to the Shiurim of Shas Illuminated. Shas Illuminated is a non-profit organization dedicated to broadening the learning of those studying the Daf worldwide. If you would like to make a donation or to dedicate a Daf or Masechta, please visit our website at shasilluminated.org or call 203-312-SHAS. You can also email us at shasilluminated at gmail.com.